Welcome to The Yarn, a School Library Journal production. I'm Travis Yonker. Aqua Holmes burst onto the picture book scene in 2015 with Voice of Freedom, Fannie Lou Hamer, the spirit of the civil rights movement. The book, written by Carol Boston Weatherford, won Caldecott, Seibert, and Coretta Scott King Awards. Holmes tackles nothing less than the creation of the universe with her most recent book, The Stuff of Stars, written by Marion Dane Bauer. It's a book that led Holmes to try out a completely new illustration medium. Aqua will explain more in a moment. This episode is part of our Unraveler series. In each episode, a book creator will take you inside one of their books. Their inspiration, fears, frustrations, epiphanies, the whole thing pulled apart. It's time to unravel the stuff of stars. Well, the stuff of stars was written by Marion Dane Bauer. And I like to say that it's a creation story. And it's about how the universe came into being and how that is related to every living thing right now. Well, I've been doing books with Candlewick Press. They were the first publishing company that invited me to do a book. And this is the third project that we have together. So they presented me with this manuscript and I read it and I thought it was lovely, but I was wondering why they thought I was the right illustrator. It's not a book that has lots of figures in it. They're very abstract concepts and when I looked at the other two books I had done for them, they're very much concrete ideas, people, houses, things. So I asked the editor, um, Liz Bicknell, why do you think I can do this book? Because in my head I'm saying, gee, I just started in this career. I don't really want to say no, but on the other hand, I want to do good work. And she showed me um, one of my original pieces of art on my website that was of the ocean. And there was something about how I had handled the ocean in that picture that she thought meant that I could do this book. And so I said yes. I didn't necessarily have faith that I was the right artist, um, but she did. And given that we had done two books that I thought went really well, I said, well, she's been in this industry for a very, very long time. So she must have sort of an x-ray vision. She can tell who the right illustrator is. And so I went with it. And moving into getting it done, there were times when I felt like, oh, I wonder if I should have said yes, because a lot of what the book is about is what hasn't happened yet, what hasn't been created yet. So it's like, how do you illustrate something that's not there? Then time went on. I was cleaning my studio one day. And as you might imagine, I have a studio full of scraps of paper, all kinds, wallpaper, wrapping paper and I came upon this little square of marbleized paper. And I looked at it and I thought, wow, that looks like the universe in that little scrap of paper. And it just sort of clicked in that if I used marbleized paper as a technique, I would get all of that sort of grand universal scale that I was looking for. And so that's how the book was created. That was a big aha moment for me. All of a sudden, it seemed completely doable, and I was ready to go forward at, at a great speed. That must have been a great day. It was a great day, and I happened to know someone who knew, knew a lot about marbleized paper. So I set up to take some classes with her, and I made all of the papers for the book. 
Marbleized paper is a technique that is thousands of years old. In fact, if you've got any old library books and you look in the frontispiece, you'll see this beautiful uh, paper of swirling patterns of multiple colors. And um, I don't remember where it originated, but it's basically floating ink on top of water, combing it and making certain kinds of patterns with it, and then dropping a piece of paper on it and pulling up the paint off the top of the paper. There are some chemicals involved so that the, the ink will stick to the paper and not slide off. And there are some techniques, meditative techniques, where you actually just blow on the ink to get the um, patterns to emerge. It's sort of like using your breath, but you people also make instruments, use straws and things like that. And I'm sure that there'll be lots of innovation that still can come from marbleizing paper. But it's very simple. It's very beautiful. Um, anyone can do it and everybody's piece will be completely unique. You know, every book is like its own college course because um, an illustrator that receives a manuscript they then do their own research it's not like someone can hand you everything that the pictures will end up um, representing you have to go and see for yourself kind of thing where people say go see for yourself and so illustrators I believe have to do that for themselves so I had to read about all the things that Marion had already read about but I had to see them for myself and understand them for myself so that I could illustrate them you know when I when it started out I I thought that illustrators and authors did talk, and then I found out that the tradition is that they don't. So for the last two books, I didn't have any interaction with Carol Boston Weatherford, for instance, until after the book was published. I had met Kwame, but we didn't have any interaction while the book was going on. So for this one, I stayed with that, and now that I've done that three times, I do see there is something useful about not talking to the author because it's hard to do something visual and not have visual ideas but that's the illustrator's job so I think that um, I probably would say for now that seems to be working for me and it seems to be working for the books too I still handled it a lot in the same way that I do collages so anything that you see in there that's a shape I still cut those shapes out but I put the book together as a digital creation and this was my first time doing that so there was a little bit of a learning curve about what the possibilities were doing this digitally what it allowed me to do though is try out a lot of different ideas quickly as opposed to with a collage you know it's very tedious and time-consuming so I had the best of both worlds In certain projects, so I think we should look at um, digital artwork and digital techniques as a tool in the toolbox. When it works, when it's uh, effective and expedites things, but the effectiveness comes first. So I definitely think it's a solid tool in my toolbox right now. And so I will be looking there to see if, okay, this project seems like it could benefit from that. or. This is a project that needs to be all crafted and hand, you know, hands-on.
I'm not sure there's such a thing as a typical day, but I'll tell you what I aspire to in a typical day, and that is to wake up early, to have a couple of good cups of coffee, to think about my day, and then I go to my studio and do whatever the next thing is that needs to be done. At a certain point, I go off to my job, which is running a mobile arts program for Mass College of Art and Design. Then in the evening, I come home and have a good dinner with my mate, and then I go back to work in the studio to work on books. That's an ideal day during the week. It doesn't always come out that way, though. Before the interview was over, I had to ask Aqua what it was like getting the awards calls for her previous books, Voice of Freedom, Fannie Lou Hamer, and Out of Wonder. So I think the first phone call that I actually got was from the Siebert Committee, but I didn't get that call. It went to voicemail. So keep in mind, this is 6 o'clock in the morning, and I try to get up at 6, like I told you, on a perfect day. But the first call that came in, I believe, was from the Caldecott Committee. And I was so sleepy. I was like, oh, wow, thank you, you know. But I was so sleepy that I kind of went back to sleep. And then about 10 minutes later, the phone rings again. And I pick it up, and it's the Coretta Scott King Committee. And then I got up. And then later on, I found out that they had left a message. The Seabird Committee had left a voicemail. So, you know, all of these congratulations are coming in through my email, and some of them are related to Seabird. And I'm like, what is that? I never heard of that. And then I find out later. So it was a crazy, crazy day. Um, in contrast to Out of Wonder, where I, I hadn't thought about the award situation at all. I wasn't going to the conference. I wasn't thinking about it. And because they were in Colorado on West Coast time, when they called me, it was 9 o'clock. So I didn't, I didn't make the connection. And then the number said Colorado, but, you know, with cell phones, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't mean that the phone's in Colorado. So Sam Bloom was the person that called me. And he says, hey, it's Sam Bloom. And I've met Sam before. So I was like, oh, hi, how are you? Still not making a connection. And um, then he says, well, I have some really good news for you. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, Colorado, Sam Bloom, February 12th or whatever day it was. And it all clicked in. And I just went crazy, dropped my phone, disconnected the call. And my partner runs upstairs. He says, what's the matter? Is someone attacking you? Because I was literally screaming and dancing in my kitchen. So two very different experiences, but two great ones um, that I'll tell my grandchildren about. <laughs> Thank you, Aqua Holmes, for the interview. Thank you, Andy Krawczyk, for making it happen. Thank you, Philip Stead, for our theme music. Additional music for this episode from the Free Music Archive. Have an idea for the show? You can contact us via email at theyarnpodcast at gmail.com and visit us online at the School Library Journal website. I'm Travis Yonker. Thanks for listening.